The Minnesota Wild season ends in six games as the Dallas Stars pick up a 4-1 to one win in game six. We've got all of the breakdown on tonight's Locked on Wild postcast. You are Locked on Wild postcast, part of Locked on Sports Minnesota, your team every day. Minnesota Wild fall by a score of 4-1 to one here in Game 6, and their season ends with a four games to two loss to the Dallas Stars. We're breaking down all the action on tonight's Locked on Wild postcast. Seth Topol joined by Kevin Gorg. Kevin, first off, you gotta, you got to give Dallas some credit. They got great goaltending pretty much all series. They pushed the issue on offense. They got special teams scoring. They stopped the Wild from scoring on the power play. Everything you need in a postseason series, they got. Yeah, and and really postseason hockey, especially when you have two teams that are evenly matched, comes down to little plays. And, and your best players have to be at their best in those situations to turn those little plays into game-changing plays. And it happened again tonight. Uh, no fault of Ryan Hartman, so that puck bounces over his stick. But in the very next sequence, 30 seconds later, uh, you know, Rope Hintz is, is cashing in a brilliant play in the other end. It's a two-goal swing, and in a game like this where the first goal is going to be so important, that's a difference maker. Dallas was the better team. The bottom line is, in a series like this, um, their power play was better, their penalty kill was better, and even though the Wilds' goaltending was just fine, the numbers will, will bear that out, Anger was better. And, and, you know, from the coaching staff on down, the better team won. And so for Minnesota, they've got to take a look in, in the mirror a little bit within this series and, and understand that when you get a lead like they had last year, that next game, game four is everything. You win that game, you likely win the series. They didn't get that done. And from that point on, Dallas just took over. I know the special teams was probably the point of contention early on in the series, but after what we saw over the last few games, I'm willing to even put the inability to finish on chances above what we saw from the special teams because there have been no shortage of breakaway opportunities, odd man rushes, and it just seemed like every time there was a good opportunity to just pull a little momentum back away from Jake Ottinger, nets were missed or, or Ottinger was just able to get even a little bit of a pad on it. Well, let's go to the, the most important sequence of the hockey game tonight. It's the closing 30 seconds of period two. Matt Zuccarello, one of your go-to guys, has it with nothing but time and space in the slot. And Ottinger had been playing very well. Maybe that forced you know, Zuccarello to try to make a shot that's very difficult to go way to the top. He shoots it over the top of the net. 15 seconds later, the puck's in the back of the, the net, and it's 3-0 Dallas. And for all intents and purposes, at that point, the mountain might have been a little too high to climb. Yeah, it's just execution by the go-to players on the Dallas Stars side was better than the go-to players on the side of the Minnesota Wild, and part of that was Jake Ottinger, and he made some great saves. But, you know, it isn't like you look at the game of the night and say he stole the hockey game. I mean, he was good. Yep. He made solid saves, but the Wild didn't finish on their chances. And more often than not, the puck bounced over their stick, they missed the net, they didn't finish a play, and that is also on the Minnesota Wild. And it was reminiscent tonight of the atmosphere that we saw in Game 3. The crowd mm-hmm. was here. The crowd was ready. You had TJ Hawkinson doing Let's Play Hockey <laughs> and just trying to get this crowd amped in. But there are two sides to that. Is you have the crowd ready to explode when stuff happens, 
the team's got to give them a reason to do that, though. Yeah, I, I felt the the first period was everything tonight. Uh, you could really feel the energy in the building, and kudos to the fans because most of them stuck around and gave the Wild a really cool salute after the handshake, which I thought was really, really neat. But they didn't give them that one, like you said, that oomph, that play early in the game to sell some hope, and you leave that first period thinking you played well, you came out with your hair on fire. The first seven or eight minutes, Minnesota had all the pressure. They had the forecheck going, but in the game of hockey, that doesn't do you anything. Shots on goal and chances don't win you hockey games. you got to light the lamp, and they didn't do it, and so they have to figure this out now moving forward. They've got to figure out how to consistently score goals, and Bill Guerin, I thought, all year long gave them a chance. He put them in a position to succeed. The trade deadline moves he made were unbelievable. Just didn't get it done. And it's it's a tough way to finish because it's it's a team that is on the rise. It's a team that in the next couple years, as their young talent starts to trickle in, guys like Brock Faber and so many more that we're waiting on, including that goaltender, Wallstead down in Iowa, this is a team that legitimately is going to be markedly better in the next few years, but it's still tough to take when you lose to one of your rivals like the Dallas Stars in this series. Kevin, one of the other big points of this series was just the defensive work that Dallas did on Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy, and Kirill had that jump again tonight, just could not get anything to go. And so another tip of the cap to uh, to the Dallas Stars, that was one of the big things coming into this series is how are you going to contend with Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy? And the, the Stars did a great job of shutting both of those guys down. It starts with Pete DeBoer. Um, we talked about this in one of our, our uh, shows here earlier in the week that he did the same thing when, when Kirill faced DeBoer in, in Vegas back in 2021. Um, there were layers of defense. That was something that Dallas was prepared for. And as much as I hate to say this right now, you have to tip your hat to Ryan Suter and, and Haskinen. That top pairing uh, time and time again made life difficult. I agree with you, Seth, uh, uh, that, that tonight Kaprizov had a little more jump. We know a lot of these guys are playing through something, and mm-hmm. Kaprizov, you know, earlier this week missing a couple practices in morning skates, no question. Uh, he's battling through something, but tonight he had the good stuff and still really couldn't get to the open area very often. I, I look at maybe a couple different sequences where he was open. There was a puck that danced through the slot that bounced on a power play, but five on five, they just did not allow him any room. Yeah, it just it, it just seemed like Dallas was able to get that upper hand in all those key areas and just they never wavered. I mean, over these last two games, Jake Ottinger allows the one goal and it just, they they suffocated the ability to even get those second or third opportunities. You know, it, it was... It was just a fantastic defensive effort by the uh, by the Stars this whole series. It was, no question. And, and, uh, and you know, you look back and you, there are certain times in the games where there are turning points and big plays. At every point when you look back at some of those turning points, and we had a couple big ones tonight we've already referenced, Dallas executed at a higher level. And that's why you have to tip your hat. And, you know, I think as you look back and once the dust settles and right now it's still painful for Wild fans and you look at, this pragmatically and, and what they did this year with some of the adversity they overcame, what would have happened in this series if, if Eck was healthy? And I understand Pavelski didn't play on their side throughout most of the series as well. Bottom line is, you know, you've got to figure out a way moving forward yep. when the playoffs come around to play like you did during the regular season. And I thought during stretches in the second half, the Wild looked like a team that not only was built to make the playoffs, but I thought do some damage when they got here. 
you know, they have the, the next level, the next step is figuring out a way to win these series. And back-to-back years, Seth, they've had a 2-1 lead in the series and haven't won a game after that point, and that's got to be hard to solve for those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap a few more things up as we uh, put a bow on the season as Wild fall in six games to the Dallas Stars. More of our Locked on Wild postcast coming up after this. Continuing tonight's Locked on Wild postcast, Seth Topol joined by Kevin Gorg as the Wild lose in six games here to the Dallas Stars. Kevin, let's touch on some of those younger players that we saw. Brock Faber hmm. slots into the lineup and just looks like a guy who's been doing this his his whole life. And, you know, I, I know a lot of it had to do with injuries down the stretch, but he's playing on the ice in those final few minutes as one of those guys trying to get those last few chances to tie this game. He looks like a top four defenseman right now, and he looks like he's a guy that has the potential to be on a top pairing. Like, I, I could not be more impressed with what we saw from Brock Faber from the time he got here. And he was on the grind, you know, coming from the Frozen Four, no chance to really acclimate. A lot of reasons to think that his game, you know, might not be at the highest level. And he just got better and better game by game. And the conversations I have at practice or traveling with the team with some of the coaches and players, they're, they're just taken aback by how good this kid is already. And the sky's the limit. And I look at him, I look at Matt Boldy, who's barely old enough to go to a bar and, and buy a drink and can still be playing college hockey. And I know the playoffs didn't go his way. Credit to Dallas for part of that as well. But we saw what he did when Kaprizov was out and eclipsing 30 goals and taking another step in his career. I look at Freddie Gaudreau, who's still a young man, who's still got a lot of time in this organization and how his game went to another level. Played all 82 games, played through some injuries, especially in this series, produced three more goals, does so many things uh, away from the stat sheet. You know, there are a lot of reasons for hope right now. Um, it's just you look at this series and you wonder, had they found a way, you know, after getting up in the series to win a home game? You know, that's such. it's just what I'll go back to. I looked at the St. Louis series last year. You're on the road. You're playing the Blues. You're up 2-1. That afternoon game four where the Blues are missing half their blue line. The next step for this team is to figure out how to step on someone's throat when yep. you got them down. And the Wild had that chance again this year to take a 3-1 lead in the series. And I felt like they let Dallas off the hook a little bit there. It wasn't a lack of effort, but again, it was a lack of execution. Yeah, you're exactly right. That, that game, it was... Um Game four again, where uh, it, it was a tight game, came down to a couple of uh, special teams goals for the, the Stars, and the Wilds, they get it to 3-2 at the end, but you find a way to win that game when you, you, you maybe don't necessarily have your best stuff, and that, you're talking about the ability, like you said, to just completely flip the series, and then all of a sudden you're up. 3-2, and you've got a chance to uh, you got two chances to uh, to try to close it out. You do, and and so you know these are lessons learned. I, I think from talking to some of the veteran players, from talking to players that have made cup runs, Ryan Reeves, uh, Oscar Sundquist, they talked about how in, within their careers there's been heartbreak, and maybe even a couple of years where they weren't getting it done, and then when you finally break through, some of the lessons you learn from the setbacks you go through, make you stronger when you finally make that run. And, you know, you look at Philip Gustafson, another young player 
um, that, that the Wild are likely going to build around. And, you know, in the offseason, this team is going to look different. When we get to training camp next year, you know, where will Matt Dumba be? Is there any chance Bill Guerin can figure out a team-friendly contract for him? Because he played great second half of the year and was yeah. solid in this series. But then you look at signing Gustafson. That's going to be, I think, one of the dominoes that sets the tone for the, all the other things. Can you bring back a guy like Johansson? Any chance you can get Nyquist? Where is Reeves going to land? Can you bring him back? This is a really, really important offseason because Bill Guerin, once again, is going to have to do this with – Two big contracts going to players playing somewhere else, yep. including Ryan Suter, who's moving on to the second round. Well, and that's where some of the stuff, like the comments you heard from Freddie Goudreau after signing his extension about wanting to be here and be part of this, that's what you're going to need is is some of those guys, if they're going to stay here, they're they're probably going to have to take a little less to uh, to be part of this group. But, you know, that's that's what you want is you want a group that you build that attracts those players to do just that because yeah we we know what the uh, the situation with the cap is going to be for the next couple of years and uh, that that's something that this team is is and has fought through over the last few years too and you look at Minnesota and you look at the hockey fans and the building and the atmosphere this brings and you look at Bill Guerin and the credibility he has and I think these guys see a couple things it's a great place to play outstanding fan base every night you're out there you're a rock star and then, oh by the way the general manager has a bunch of Stanley Cup rings as a player and a manager. So I'll take a little less money. Ryan Hartman's talked about this. Jewel Erickson Eck has talked about this. You mentioned Freddie Goudreau. They're not the last ones. This is a great place to play. They see the young talent that's in the organization. They see where this thing is going. I know it's hard for Wild fans tonight to, to hear that, but there's a reason these guys continue to take those team-friendly deals, and I'm certain that you'll see a couple more here this summer as Bill Guerin tries to rebuild this thing for next year and get it back where it needs to be, do something similar. Well, unfortunately, not the way we were hoping it would end, but uh, the season is officially now over. And so uh, don't worry, Wild fans, though. Locked on Wild isn't going anywhere. We got the whole offseason to get everything right. We've got draft coverage, free agency. We'll, we'll recap this series in full as this, and the season as well. So make sure that you uh, stay tuned here uh, throughout the uh, next couple of weeks as well. Kevin, thanks for the time. Always fun working with you, Seth. This was an absolute pleasure. I'm sure we'll get together here yes. in the near future, put a recap on the entire season, take a look at some, some things that are going on through the, uh, the landscape with the playoffs and look at where the Wild are headed. But uh, love doing this with you. Love talking about my favorite hockey team. And even though it's tough tonight, uh, you have to feel like better days are ahead. Yeah, 100%. Listeners, thanks as always for tuning in. And uh, we will have a full episode ready to rock for you on Monday, all part of the Locked On podcast network.